you could do anything at all, Joe, what would you do? I said, I'd cure cancer. They looked at me like, why cancer? Because no one thinks we can. That's why. And we can. We end cancer as we know it. Welcome to Move Left Idiots, a socialist talk podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Monterulo, joined here by my co-host, Comrade Dracula. Comrade, what's happening? I did it. I did it. I went to see Barbenheimer. I did both movies in one fucking day. Oh, my God. Um, And I'm very glad that I saw Barbie first and then Oppenheimer because they're both pretty good, but like, I wanted the film that was going to, uh, you know, redefine the landscape of cinema to be the you know the the, the main course um i don't i feel like it got overhyped though honestly like it kind of just feels like a regular christopher nolan film except about a real guy yeah like i i didn't there wasn't anything to it that you haven't seen in some way shape or form in another nolan film um but it was also just you know it's it's the fact that it's you know he shot it on imax and black and white IMAX that didn't exist yet. And the cast is great. The acting's great. The writing's really great. It's just, you think it's going to lead up to the bomb going off and that's going to be the finale of the film. And that's not at all what happens hmm. <laughs> because it's really more about his life. And, you know, bomb goes off at the end of act two and it's like, Oh, I've got another hour of this movie left. Okay. <laughs> so Yeah. And what comes after is interesting, but it's certainly not as interesting as, as you know, leading up as to the, the bomb, bomb itself. Off. Right. Right. And so a lot of people I have kind of gotten the same sense of, like they, they expected that to be the, you know, the ultimate, you know, end of the movie. Like, it, it, and everyone expected it was going to jump around in time because that's just what Nolan does with his editing. But he also has this thing where, he has to have a cut on every single line of dialogue and you never have a scene just kind of play out where you're hearing someone talking off camera and not cutting exactly on every single line. It makes it feel like the actors aren't even in the same room together sometimes, Hmm. which because of COVID they may not have been, (laughs) you know? Um, And also the sound score for the film is constantly in every single moment. There's never a moment where it just kind of stops and like takes a breath for a minute. It's just, it feels like you're watching a three hour long montage of, of, of a movie. <laughs> like there's, it's just, it, it gets kind of tedious after a while to have the pacing of the entire film be exactly the same throughout the entire thing. You know, it doesn't, you, you don't really remember individual scenes that way. So I feel like it kind of didn't quite meet my expectations, but it also got so much hype that I don't know how it could have. Um, 
Whereas Barbie kind of exceeded my expectations where I was kind of like, eh, it's got way too many people from SNL attached to it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't know how funny it's really going to be. And it was actually really fucking funny. Huh. Like there was, there was, you know, some great one liners and everything, but there was also some like kind of sort of meta Barbie jokes that they put in there. They had like a long payoff where you're kind of like, well, where, where is this going? And like when the payoff happens, you're like, Oh, that was a really good joke. <laughs> so, <laughs> Uh, it, yeah, definitely a little bit better than I thought it was going to be. And Oppenheimer, not quite as good as I thought it was going to be. So kind of kind of bounced. Um, but just seeing all the people that were there for both was amazing. I, like you definitely saw people who, you know, saw it the other way around, you know, but like just, you, you kept seeing the same people throughout the whole day <laughs> right. at the theater and lots of people dressed up. Um, they, they were dressed up for both both movies. Um and yeah, it looks it looks like the week two numbers are even uh, well, not not as high, but like the the drop off for week two was very small, uh, especially compared to when you look at like the drop off for like the Flash, which already did terrible and then dropped off by seventy five percent its second week. Yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> the reviews did that new movie no favors, unfortunately, but um. It, it's no, it's actually really good to see that that's like movies like that are, are, you know, I mean, obviously Barbie is an IP, but it's not like a long running franchise. It's not a superhero movie. Um, it's, right. it's sort of an original right. spin on a existing thing. And Oppenheimer, even though it's a biopic, is an original movie. Um, so, you know, I, it's good to see. It's a good progression. I, I do want to get back to the point where we can start making summer blockbusters that are fucking you know sight unseen kind of movies again would i mean that would be when i would be like movies are actually truly you know back when we're starting to make the you know jurassic parks of the world like the first one like and and, you know obviously that's everything's based on something fucking book or whatever but you know i i just it, it, it at least feels like movies are taking chances a little bit more you know like a, a movie like oppenheimer whatever that movie costs to make you know however you know 100 million dollars or whatever um not that much money for a blockbuster that's for sure no no sir i mean certainly not you know fucking event well and honestly most of nolan's budget gets eaten up in the fact that he actually doesn't like to use cgi which is what gives his movies such a uh such an incredible, you know, realness and such an incredible depth. The yeah, film stock's expensive, especially yeah. instead of a 70 millimeter. That's really expensive. Um, yeah. I... When, and when you do everything through, you know, and p- people also don't really understand the difference between CGI and VFX. Like, you no, know, obviously Christopher Nolan didn't go find a fucking wormhole, you know, for op- for uh, for Interstellar and, you know, and shoot it. But there's a difference between VFX and just pure, you know, paying some underpaid fucking you know uh, lucasfilm intern to to put together you know uh, a, a wormhole on the computer it's like there, there's a very distinct difference in the way that it comes across on on you know on camera that's why sure. fucking you know uh, the the space scenes in star wars still look incredible you know 50 years later well, uh, they cleaned up those in a couple of years or a couple of decades later too, but they they did. But you know, what I mean, like it's just it's you, you could tell the difference. The fucking you know, yeah. it, it, it's it's a big difference. But um, so yeah, you can definitely yeah, no, the sense crazy. that you know everybody in that movie, every actor, um, you know, waived their regular contractual fee and just accepted like you know base level sag wages to be in a in that film. Um, because there's no way you get that many actors in, and you know, pay them what their normal going rate is, and no, keep no. them under a hundred thousand or a hundred million, hundred million. Um, but yeah, I, 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 
you know, I don't think it's his best film. Even I still think Dunkirk is his best film, uh, especially for like the kind of pacing he likes to do. Like, th- you know, you couldn't have a, a, you know, it's also like one of the shortest films, which makes the, you know, nonstop action pacing tolerable. Whereas, you know, when it's three hours of nonstop, it's, it's, it's a little tedious. Right. Um, but yeah, I certainly hope that, you know, it, it's, it teaches Hollywood a little lesson that, you know, it's, it's was what the fourth highest opening weekend and also the first uh, highest grossing weekend of a, for any film to not a, uh, have a sequel or be part of a franchise. So for original yeah. content, biggest opening weekend uh, of all time. So, yeah, I'm sure well, we're going to get a Barbie too now, though. No, I, and, and I'm sure they're going to take that, not understand the lesson of the movie, which is, you know, give a, give a filmmaker with a unique filmmaking style and voice uh, a movie like this and let them just kind of do their own thing without really getting in their way. They're not going to take that message. They're going to take the message of, Oh, people want a fucking trolls movie and a, and a connect Four movie and a, you know, whatever other fucking Mattel An or emoji movie. Yeah. Well, right. Yeah. I mean, they've already, you know, get, learned this lesson the wrong way multiple times, but I'm sure well, we're going to now get the Barbie, you know, the BCU, the Barbie cinematic universe. But yeah. And uh, I'm sure that the Barbenheimer itself was, you know, thought up by some focus group. Right. And they were like, hey, well, fingers crossed. What if we can get this to go viral? And it did. And of course, that's also like the, the wrong lesson. Because they're going to try to force it with other fucking films together. And, and they already have done it. I forget where I saw it, but two completely unrelated films. And some they were trying to get the hashtag of like the two things together trending. And it was just like two things that nobody would ever want to see anyway. Right, right. Well, yeah. no, so, I mean, it may have been, but it also uh, a lot of people kind of suspect that that was Warner Brothers' fuck you to Christopher Nolan because he, you know, re- started refusing to work with them after they, they uh, put... Um, what what movie of his onto streaming during the pandemic was that? Oh, Tenet. Tenet came out, you know, fairly quickly onto HBO Max, and he was very salty about that. Yeah. Um. So he didn't work with Warner Brothers for for uh, Oppenheimer. So they think that because Barbie is a Warner property, they put it. Uh, they they intentionally sort of you know uh, tried to tried to siphon off some of his uh, box office by opening Barbie the same weekend. But um, but it ended up well, working out failed. poorly for them. Like yeah, pretty much like everything else, Warner Brothers has done the last month, you know several years. Um, fucking yeah. just great leadership team there. Um, as, as I mean, they're all they're all going to be fucking themselves with this with this strike that they refuse to come back to the table to try right. to resolve. Allegedly, um, this weekend they're gonna they're gonna meet again to try to resolve it. But you know, the yeah. studios are being completely ridiculous and unreasonable. Well, they're um, gonna have to start canceling productions of shows that they've already you know, greenlit. Uh, I, I just saw this on YouTube that uh, they may just outright cancel Mandalorian season four, which I probably wouldn't care. I was going to say, I'm not really too, um, too chuffed about that. I, 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 I am bummed that, that Andor didn't finish filming before they, uh, the strike happened, but that's even more incentive to, to fucking, you know, do the right thing and give them what they're uh, asking for the bare minimum that they're asking for so that we can finish fucking filming that thing. Yeah. So one thing about Oppenheimer I wanted to talk about real briefly um, is it's it is very accurate what it does show and portray, um, but it omits something pretty important, and that was that there were tens of thousands of people who lived within fifty miles of that nuclear blast, uh, and they were not told about it beforehand. 
So they're all in this radioactive blast zone. We're talking and about the actual Hiro- or the Los Alamos, the test one. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I and mean, the movie makes it look like it's in the middle of nowhere. Makes it look right. like there's no other people there. They don't mention any other people living out there. But there were. There were a lot of them. And on, dozens of them got cancer and died. And they were not told for, I believe, a month after that bomb went off what it actually was. Hmm. Yeah. So kind of a big, uh, kind of a big thing, kind of a big deal to, now you know, test it out on human on humans in the United States and not even tell them. Um, so yeah, I, I was very surprised because you think of all the things that he would feel guilty for. It would be, you know, conducting a completely unethical test uh, that affected people, and they knew it was going to be a huge cloud of radiation. The military tracked the radiation cloud all the way to the Atlantic Ocean. So my my only and not a defense of that at all because I haven't even seen it yet, but. What was was that scene in color or was that in black and white? That was in color, I'm presuming. Which scene? The 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 explosion, the test, the uh, the test explosion. The uh, yeah, that part was in color. Because I I don't know if you've read any or uh, Nolan's interviews, but he was saying that the black and white scenes are the um, objective truth, and then the the color scenes in his mind are. Oppenheimer's subjective view of how things happen. So I'm wondering mm, if he... not exactly. It's kind of more just it's the only time it's not his POV. Okay, well that's what I mean. That's the way he literally described it in an interview. But that so if that's the case, that's that is you know you could say that that's his interpretation of it. Is like oh well, it's not a big deal because he's you know not giving as much of a shit about the fact that there are people you know within a fairly close proximity to that. Well, him, it's that's still not... a, a pretty important part of the story. Uh, oh, sure, of course. You know, they the the one thing people criticize is they don't show the destruction in Japan. But it's like if it is a subjective kind of a thing, you, what you get is everyone at that Los Alamos facility is you know getting the newspapers and hearing it over the radio, right? right? But but that they're still there where it happened, where all these tens of thousands of people were living too. Right. So the the idea that you know that they were unaware of that somehow is of course not true. It was just, you know, we can't warn them ahead of time because then people would know what we're doing here and we can't let anyone know. So, um, but the film is, you know, goes deep into the guilt he feels over all of it. So there's no reason you couldn't have had, you know, had that tie into that sure. phenomenon hmm. um, because, you know, he's, he's right there working where these people lives, <laughs> you know? Right. Um, so yeah, it's, I mean, obviously, the film is about him feeling guilty and, you know, did we really create, um, you know, a a doomsday scenario? And is is this thing going to be, you know, uncontrollable in a few decades? Um, But it's still kind of like, oh, what a a hero he is for being this, you know, ingenuitive. You know, it's like the movie still can't help prop him up, you know, even if he has all these doubts about what he actually did. And that's just Nolan. In his his sense of like people in history, I guess. But um, you know, I, I think uh, Killian Murphy uh, kills it. <laughs> <laughs> um, Robert Downey Jr. Uh, also does a great job at making you forget that he's not just a superhero. Um, I would I would be shocked if it wasn't Killian wins Best Actor and Robert Downey Jr. wins Oscar for Best Supporting Actor uh, for their roles in this really yeah yeah no i mean i it seems like it's you know at this point i don't know what else would uh 
be significantly in the running. I don't think anything else has been that critically acclaimed and, you know, uh, to this point at least, but I guess we'll see what Do they have a the separate comedic actor category now, or is that my imagination? Uh, there's, it's weird. Not, not for best actor, I don't think. But there is for like screenplay, like comedy. Ver- I, I, it's fucking weird the way they do it. But I, but I believe best actor is yeah. just. And then people also like game the categories, like movies that shouldn't be in the comedy category because they had like you know two jokes in it. It's an easier feel. They'll sometimes right. get you know thrown in there. But well, I know there's, I know there's a ton of categories that don't get televised. Um, but yeah, if there if there was one for best comedic performance, it definitely should go to Ryan Gosling. everything he does in Barbie is hilarious. Even when it's not supposed to be funny, like the, just the way he'll do something makes it fucking hilarious. Yeah. Um, definitely, definitely two sides to that guy's acting, um, range. Nice. Nice. Well, you know, it's while we're in the kind of entertainment realm, um, we should talk about Sinead O'Connor, uh, uh, passing this, this week because, uh, it very unexpected. Obviously when I saw that the other day, I was very like, Oh shit, what the fuck? I didn't think she was, uh, up there in age or anything. Um, she wasn't and she wasn't right No, (laughs) True. Right. And that's why it was unexpected, but, uh, you know, it sucks. It's, it's a bummer. Um, I can't say I'm like the world's biggest Sinead O'Connor head. I'm not like, you know, listening to her music all the time, but I, you know, I appreciate her artistry and I appreciate, uh, even more so her, her courage to say things that, you know, are not at all politically advantageous or, um, or, you know, can be looked at as career suicide in a lot of ways, but, um, she had the courage, you know, of her convictions to do that, obviously, famously, uh, I guess for any of our younger listeners who who live in a bubble that, uh, she famously kind of derailed her career, uh, by going on SNL and ripping up a picture of Pope. I think it was Pope John Paul at the time. Um, at the end of a kind of an acapella performance and saying, fight the real enemy. And what she was trying to do is bring awareness to the, the, uh, massive fucking, you know, pedophilia and sex trafficking ring that the Catholic church, uh, had become at that point, you know, it's particularly Northern Ireland. Um, but and this, this wasn't way before, known. no, way before at, it was like a time. Thing. It wasn't until like the late nineties that like the Boston globe, you know, blew the lid off that thing, right, but right. it was the thing people joked about all the time. It, it, so it was, you know, I mean, to, I remember when that happened and I was like, oh yeah, I mean, she's just performing, whatever, you know, and then people lost their fucking minds over it. Oh my God. That was the, like the, you know, the it worst was, thing you could do in the mind of a conservative. That was like, it was, it was just like everybody. Well, like, oh, I'm not religious, but that's just disrespectful to the Like the guy walks around in a fucking robe in, with like gold hanging from the walls. Do you think he, his feelings are hurt by seeing his picture ripped up? You know, and it wasn't even about him personally. It was just, it was a symbol. It's fucking art, right? Right. Um, but yeah, people lost their minds over it. Joe Pesci was the next host of SNL the next following week. And in his opening monologue, he said he wished he could have hit her. Right. He wish he wish he could have assaulted her for doing that. Not even a joke. Just like I wish I could have punched a, a woman in the face because she, you know, said something about about the fucking guy in the dress that uh, is the head of the religion I'm a part of. Yeah. Yeah. And I love what she says about it too, because I, the, the what what she really was doing, you know, whether she knew it or not, was not to her disadvantage. But I'll I'll just here's the quote from her. Um, t- 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 years later, O'Connor herself noted 
that the rip heard around the world defined her career in a beautiful fucking way. This is her quote in a beautiful fucking way, but it was not derailing people say, uh, or people say, Oh, you fucked up your career, but they're talking about the career I had had in mind for me. I fucked up the house in Antigua that the record company dudes wanted to buy. I fucked up their career, not mine. <laughs> nice. No, that's, yeah. that's, that's pretty good. That's, Cause I'm uh, sure everyone was like, Oh no, look at all the money we're not going to be able to make from her anymore. I know that, that was, no, of that, course. I mean, yeah. you, you know, for anyone, again, for some of our younger listeners who weren't alive for the sort of just extreme fucking psychoses of the, the culture war in, in the nineties, like things like this would just kill your fucking career. Like nowadays, I don't even think it would really be a big deal. I mean, maybe it'd be a big deal, but it wouldn't be the way it used to be in the nineties where like, you know, with Sinead or like with the Dixie chicks or, you know, and literally anyone that just pr- expressed even like mild, like left wing, um, support or opinions, it would just fucking like end your career. It was crazy, and and you know the the true fucking originators of cancel culture were you know conservatives in the nineties. Um, but well, actually, you probably could even say conservatives in the fifties if we want to go well, all remember, the way back to you the, remember the blacklist. John, but uh, you remember what happened to the Beatles when John ran his mouth about uh, Jesus? Exactly. Yeah. So actually, yeah. honestly, conservatives have been doing this since you know it's nothing new. Yeah. It's no, since new. pop culture, you know, I, the, we had the blacklist obviously in the forties and fifties, and then I the, mean, it's it's awful what happened to the, to, to the uh, the Dixie Chicks because they had to change the name of the band after that to the Chixie Dicks. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, the the chicks just does not uh, does not quite have the same ring to it, unfortunately. Just, but, just change um, it to the milfs. Just change it to the milfs. You know, you're probably in your late forties, early fifties by now, right? Yeah, you, uh, I mean they were they were they were aiming for the the Liz Fair uh, crew and <laughs> crowd anyway. So, it but this was also know, this was like 1991 or 92 uh, that she tore up the Pope on on NBC on on SNL. Um, and this was kind of, I mean, the, the idea of like the riot girl, you know, punk thing like that was that hadn't come around quite yet in the 90s. That was kind of not till like the, the mid to late 90s. Um, but yeah, I mean, she was she shaved her head because she was like a fucking punk from Dublin, you know, with like right. the fucking, you know, ripped jeans and the fucking bomber jacket. Like that was that was the fucking look, you know, Um she and, and yeah, I mean, and you know, obviously, what could be more punk rock than that? Not that even the song she was playing was particularly a hard song. I believe it was like an acapella, like uh, I think it was Bob, Bob Marley, Marley cover. cover, right? Yeah, um, yeah. not but, a very good Bob Marley cover. No, either. that's why it's it's not super memorable. <laughs> that's why I can't remember the name of the song. It's not even one of his his better songs. But yeah, um, but but look, she's an artist. Like she's not gonna go on SNL and just play her her fucking big hit. She's going to go on there and do something fucking weird right. and then, you know, make a really awesome and controversial political statement. Um, yeah. But well, I mean, it's not controversial to me. I'm like, yeah, fuck the Pope. Fuck that guy. No, I, but you but you could acknowledge that it's controversial to the fucking straights that watch SNL. You know, like I, I guess. But it's, you know, like, look at all the look at all the crap they did on on network TV after 9-11 that was blatantly <laughs> racist and Islamophobic. No, of course. But, you know. You know. We know that there's a was, set parameter of, of of good taste that's allowed in, in you know, the kind of like left yeah. the center right, you know, media. But um, she'd be doing stuff like that for a while. If you remember, uh, it was 1989. Um, Public Enemy was boycotting the Grammys because the Grammys would not recognize hip hop as a form of music. <laughs> yeah. So that year she was performing, but she painted the Public Enemy logo like the the 
the yellow, um, you know, crosshair logo they have. Right, right. She painted it on the side of her head <laughs> so that when she performed at the Grammys, you'd be reminded of why Public Enemy wasn't there. Wow. Uh, and I believe it was the following year or the year after um, they both boycotted the Grammys and people were very upset because that was the year that I think that uh, nothing compares to you was her song that was up to win like every award. Possible. I was going to say she fucking, she probably would have won and she may still have one and I'm not sure, but, but she refused to even be there. Let alone which is awesome. The song. Right. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. And that's great. So that, she's, she's a real one. Yeah, she is. And that version of, of nothing compares to you, which is, which is a Prince uh, original, um, though not released by him officially until like, I think after his that I mean it's come out on like bootlegs, but they did it like an official release after he died of his of his demo version. But yeah. um fucking incredible. I love I love the Prince version, but I mean you can see kind of why he gave it away. It's very if you listen to his version, it's very similar to Purple Rain. It's like even just the instrumentation, it's a very Hmm. I, I don't think he I don't think he ever liked to put out two songs that sounded the same like that was I, it seems like if you look at the trajectory of the hits of his career, he would never want two mega hits that sound exactly the same because then you're kind of pigeonholed as like the sort of big guitar solo kind of almost hair metal ballad uh, with with a little bit of an R&B flair type, you know, artist versus the fucking weirdness of every one of Prince's songs like none of them he really you know, almost even sound like they're the same guy other than the voice, but yeah. Um, but his version's incredible, and her version's just in- incredible in its own way and haunting. And I love the subtle thing that she does on um the chorus of that song on the last "Nothing Compares to You." Like she hits, she sings it, and and the the track itself uh hits a minor note in that's in that uh last that last to you whereas Prince's version kind of goes up to a major chord and it's a subtle thing. But when you listen to them side by side, it completely changes the mood uh, and, and the sort of dynamic of the song and the lyrics, um, you know, as, as dour as the lyrics kind of are in general, it, yeah. it was just that extra flair that the song needed that, you know, it shows you what like a little thing like that can do to change the way a, a you know, a sure. song hits you. It's pretty incredible. It was also, this, I mean, that, that it was the number one single, the number one song in every country it was released at the same time, wow. which is a thing that doesn't happen. You know, like things don't get released at the same time in different countries, let alone right. all hit number one at the exact same time. But it was like the whole world was fascinated with that song. And I remember it came out um, right when my parents were getting divorced. So I always had like a negative connotation to it because sure, it, yeah. it is a breakup song, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's it's a phenomenal song. I mean, I, it's it's you know amazing how good it is after all this time. I and mean, you're kind of right. like you know, it, and it's very much like not an Irish kind of a song either. It's <laughs> no. it's very much more of like a I'm not sure what to call it, but it's definitely more of like an American kind of structured piece of music. But yeah, I mean, you could tell Prince wrote it. Like you know, like it, just the, the the structure of it. Even though, I, like I said, she does make that. You know, yeah. seemingly subtle change, which changes the entire dynamic of the song. But you can still tell it's a Prince song. It, it's got a Prince vibe to it. Um, but I, I just, yeah, it, it really, incre- truly an incredible, like side by side, the the two the, the two versions of that song. So theories as to how she died. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. I have a theory. <laughs> um, 
and it hasn't really people there had, there's been what oh my god what the fuck there was an autopsy um but if they haven't released the results of it as far as i know uh i'm sure that'll be up to the family whether they want to release that but do you remember when um carrie fisher died of sudden cardiac arrest a couple years ago a few yeah. years ago yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. And then her mother, Debbie Reynolds, died the very following day of a hemorrhaging stroke. The yeah, very next yeah, day. yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah, now that yeah. you mentioned that. Yeah. yeah. Do you remember when Anna Nicole Smith died from an overdose? Yeah. Just months after her own son died of an overdose? Yeah. So Shane O'Connor's son committed suicide in 2022. Uh, yeah. You see the pattern? Yeah. <laughs> Well, and that's and they were kind of being very kind of quiet about, you know, the not, not quiet, but like they, it was very conspicuous that we didn't hear about a cause of death. And again, coupled with her age and the fact that she's had mental health issues in the past that she's been pretty public about. I kind of just assumed that anyway, but I don't even know that detail. So giving that it's almost kind of a sort of certainty that that's that's likely yeah, the, uh, the cause. Like when when you're the, the effect of, of, of a parent losing your kid in any way, let alone a suicide is gotta be a thing that would push you over the edge. I just, I feel that kind of strongly. Yeah, no, I mean, Jesus Christ, I can't even imagine. Um, yeah, that's horrible. Um, yeah, you know, she had, she's had a rough, you know, as far as as like famous people go, she had a pretty rough go of it between that. I don't know if you remember, there was like a big concert, not big, but like for in, in her world, I'm sure it was big, uh, kind of controversy in the mid 2010s, I guess uh, with her and Miley Cyrus, where she was kind of just basically like penning open letters to Miley Cyrus about like, you know, don't let them sort of prostitute you. And like, and like, honestly, I'm I'm not, I'm not summing it up well, but people should go read them. If they were honestly, it seemed like her trying to do, you know, a nice thing for somebody in an industry that kind of chewed her up and spit her out, trying not to let the same thing happen to somebody that she saw talent in. Um, And I think she was probably right, you know, uh, but obviously in the time it kind of came off, you know, it was portrayed as like a scolding type thing in the media. And then Miley didn't take to a kind. It was just, it was just like a really like, Oh fuck. Like I I felt really bad. I remember when that happened because I just know she's had a really rough in general sort of go of it. And I'm sure the, the new barrage of fucking, Online hate didn't help, but uh, yeah. You, you saw that Black Mirror episode with Miley, right? No, no, I haven't watched the season yet. That was from the season. No, that's from like years ago. Okay, yeah, no, I, I haven't. I've, I'm pretty far behind on that show. Because the Miley Cyrus good... Black Mirror episode is exactly what that's about. Really, it's like literally she's in a coma, and they start having a, a, an AI write songs using her voice while she's in a coma. Huh. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> um. So, yeah, she's aware of it. She's aware of it. I think it's a little weird that you would write an open letter to somebody warning them about the industry unless you were, like, friends with them and, like, got their permission to do that. Because otherwise it's like, what, what are you doing? Just write me a personal letter if you care so much. Like, yeah. You know? Yeah, I know. It, it's, again, a little clunky the way she went about it. But, you know, you, you knew she was trying to do the kind of uh, the right thing, I'm sure. But, um, yeah, no, it sucks. It, it's uh, It's unfortunate. But 
It is. It is. It's it's awful because, you know, I mean, you, I just watched this documentary about Shane O'Connor the other night, and it looks like it only came out like within a couple of years ago because mm. uh, there's some footage at the very end of her performing, and she looks very much like the last photos you can, can find of her online. Um, but you watch some of the interviews of her back in the 90s, and like the way these fucking like Tonight Show hosts would talk to her, you were just like, oh, my God, I would. How does she not fucking deck that guy? Right. Like she was on some like some Irish talk show and she comes out and the the host like just immediately tries to embarrass her and says, you know, I hope I hope your family's not too ashamed of your head. (laughs) Just like what? Like I would have walked off the stage right then and there said, what what the fuck is wrong with you? Right. No, that's fucked up. Uh, You know, fucking entertainment business is. uh... Yeah. It's pretty fucking awful. But. And, and, if, and she's too kind to not, you know, to do that. So she just like kind of pretends to laugh and kind of like looks down like clearly she's embarrassed. But she's trying to, you know, she's trying to do the thing that we we tell young celebrities that they're supposed to do. But you can see how going through that year after year, you would start to not give a fuck anymore. <laughs> like, no, for sure. For sure. That's why yeah, you kind of, you know, I, I can imagine getting to the point where you think that, <laughs> yeah, writing an open letter uh, is, is the best way to, to handle something like that. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, Although there was, I did see a clip and this was, this was on YouTube um, where she was on the Arsenio Hall show. Yeah. Uh, and at least three times in the interview, she like literally asked to go out a date with him. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh yeah I, I heard about that i didn't actually yeah. watch that that's fucking uh it's like she's and he's he's like a little uncomfortable by it too because he's she's just like t- she's totally going for it she's like yeah i will i would go out with you <laughs> wow yeah damn well speaking of people that don't know how to take social cues uh we should probably <laughs> talk about everyone's favorite rich fucking prick uh elon musk Head of this 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 awful fucking website that we that we frequent uh, regularly, uh, the artist formerly known as Twitter, now uh, apparently called X, but you know obviously nobody's gonna fucking call it that. Um, every every media outlet is dutifully calling it X now, right? Which is hilarious. Like it, it just the, the fucking the way the lemmings just fuck. This is this is very much a, a kind of Sears Tower situation where like you know. Nobody's going to fucking call it X like we, 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 we all know this is Twitter like, you know, just because, you know, this man decided to light forty four billion dollars on fire doesn't mean that we're going to all of a sudden just, you know, get rid of the, the, the thing that fucking we've been used to using for for, you know, multiple decades now, I think at this point. Um, and only he could be, uh, you know, uh, truly smart enough and, and forward thinking enough to get rid of the one good thing about the the brand that he the, the thing that he purchased which is the brand recognition like the literal only value that came from his purchase of twitter a company that doesn't charge or didn't charge for access and had no uh actual revenue streams to speak of was the fact that it was like a ubiquitous brand name people would just say oh i tweet uh, i'll go tweet this you know etc cetera, etc cetera. that was like the one thing it had going for it so obviously let's Get rid of that and give it something uh, generic and completely unsearchable that will fucking destroy the last remaining shred of value that this this website had. Um, I mean, he literally said that tweets are now called X's. Yeah, well, they eventually changed that to posts, which is even more generic and and you know <laughs> indistinguishable because people are like, uh, yeah, you, no, that's that's stupid. By the way, my yeah. browser still, even though the logo says X everywhere, still goes to Twitter.com even when I like load new tweets. 
probably because x.com is is fucking like an almost unusable domain i would imagine like the just to get that into search engines would would probably fucking crash twitter servers so i'm sure they're going to keep using the twitter uh url um and and despite the fact that i'm sure elon's yelling at them every day to change everything to x you know uh even the apple store was like yeah we, we we're not you need a minimum of two characters to list an app in the, in the app store. So we're not going to change the name of your app to X in the app store. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just fucking hilarious. What a fucking moron, unthinking, unplanning. It's just everything he, tu- he, everything he touches turns to shit either through just incompetence or because he's just, he's an idiot. He's a fucking idiot. Um, so this was, this was just, you know, just last week, um, this is from the news at Twitter's headquarters in San Francisco. Uh, meanwhile, workers were seen removing the iconic bird uh, logo Monday until police showed up and stopped them because they didn't have the proper permits and didn't tape off the sidewalk to keep pedestrians safe. If anything fell. <laughs> Why does that not remotely surprise me that he, that he would put, you know, a bunch of people's lives in danger because you don't get to, to be the, the richest man in the world by following the rules you get to be there by cutting corners and you know getting rich off of other people's work and this paragraph this is hilarious uh yeah i I tweeted out everything elon touches becomes a threat to public safety and then this paragraph linda yaccarino who musk hired as ceo in may said in an email to employees monday that the company will quote continue to delight our, our entire community like, when have you ever felt delighted by Twitter? <laughs> right. Continue to delight our entire community with new experiences in audio, video, messaging, payments, and banking. Creating a global marketplace for ideas, goods, services, and opportunities. What, do you, you could not tell me in a million years that they're going to be successful in trying to convince people to do their banking through Twitter. <laughs> yeah, if you give Elon Musk your fucking credit card number, you're the biggest mark fucking moron, you know, on the planet. Like it it'll, it'll be p- purely for the dogecoin losers. Yeah. No, no, uh, 100%. And it's I wonder if he's and I'm sure he hasn't cuz he's a fucking idiot, but I'm curious if he's done studies on on how many of the current twit base of Twitter users are his fucking sycophants versus how many are just like tolerating it until an actual better alternative comes along so he can jump ship immediately. Um, but I don't think he's at all thought through the, the ramifications of just completely destroying every bit of fucking functionality left in this fucking piece of shit. godforsaken app. Um, yeah. I know you're not a mobile, you're not really a mobile user. You're more of a desktop user, right? Uh, I mean, if I'm home, I'm well, on my desktop. If I'm on my, if I'm, out and about then yeah i'm on my phone but so i don't know if this has happened for you then but my phone took a while to actually update the logo and everything which i was like oh maybe they won't just auto update but finally it did the other day um and with this update for some reason the the bar at the bottom of the screen where the home screen the search the home button the search button the alert button the messages button that disappears both when you're scrolling and if you don't like click it every so often so I've clicked into multiple tweets, opened multiple videos, opened multiple things that I didn't mean to because all of a sudden this fucking thing that's super useful fucking disappeared, like hide, you know, auto hides itself if you don't scroll. And to get it back, you have to scroll up, a.k.a. the opposite on, direction that you're yeah. supposed to. Are you on iPhone or Android? Yeah, yeah, yeah iPhone. Yeah. 
Apparently, well, it's about. I, I, I searched it. It's a, a bunch of people having the same complaint. So I'm not a. It's not a. I'm not isolated, but it's just a basic like. Whoever came up with this idea, if you had beta tested it with anybody, would be like, "Yeah, no, get rid of that. That's fucking stupid. You shouldn't have to go backwards just to get back to the home button or to the messages button." Um, but it's a little thing like that that honestly just breaks the app even further and takes away any like moderate enjoyment of the app and also gets rid of that sort of uh, you know the pavlovian thing of like oh you have a notification oh you have a message which is what they sort of rely on for you know people to keep coming back to this app is that sort of like that blue little ping that you get that does that doesn't even show up anymore unless you look for it so it's like huh. these people could not be any stupider and less fucking uh adept at at, at at you know running a website or running any sort of business but well, uh, I'll tell you what, incredible. I do not have auto updates turned on and I will never update Twitter <laughs> on, <laughs> on my phone. Eventually, if the app just stops working, I'm just going to delete it off my phone and I'll yep. just use it on my fucking desktop because it's not that big of a thing in my life to, to use it on mobile anyway. If I'm, you know, occasionally if I'm out and about doing something, take a photo of something and I want to fucking share it with the world immediately, I can do that, you know, but if not, I'll just wait till I get home and I'll post it then. Yep. So be it. Yeah, no, it's just uh I just I will not tolerate that X on my phone. I don't I don't it goes against my values as a Christian. Uh it goes <laughs> against, no. Well it is it is 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 a character of devilry. But um speaking of the the X, uh hilarious fucking just uh, couldn't be a more quintessential Elon story. So because he's such a vain prick and and just loves, you know, uh the idea of of like you know create just being as as loud as possible with the the garbage that he thinks he creates um but in actuality just buys and rebrands he he cre- he had them uh, commission a giant uh x like a neon x sign that went on top of twitter headquarters briefly um and it's not just a neon sign i mean this was a fucking like like a marquee like carnival fucking flashing strobing nightmare sign it's like 30 feet tall it was yeah. massive and fucking bright as hell like there are pictures from people on the street but then pictures from people in the adjacent apartment building that the ex directly faced uh pictures and videos of the fact that it, at when they were testing it and at all hours of the night this fucking monstrosity would be flash i mean it's literally the fucking seinfeld episode with the fucking the the what's it called uh, across the street the sudden you know the neon sign and it's just like of course, he didn't fucking get a permit or ask the city about it. So it was, I think it was less than a week that it was already, you know, forcibly taken down by the right. city. And he knew it would be, but he knew that it would get in the news if he did it. So he'll just pay the fine and it gets more publicity right, and, for him. And, you know, ruin a couple of people's, uh, people's nights of sleep for four or five days. He just he doesn't give a fuck. He's just a, a self-indulgent fucking egomaniac. But um, yeah. People just, thought it was lightning. They, they in the the shit that I wrote or I read about this, they thought it was lightning. Yeah, well, when you see it, it was fucking insanely bright, and it it's it's in like a you know a corridor of uh of skyscrapers, so you can imagine what that fucking looked like if you didn't know that it was going on, and you just had like your curtains drawn, and there was this fucking like flash grenade fucking flashes outside your window. <laughs> like, yeah, I would I would have fucking taken. I would have bought a gun. I, I know it's probably pretty hard to get a gun, in San Francisco. And shot as many of the fucking LEDs out of that thing as I could have until, you know, someone knocked on my door, probably, yeah. if I was in that situation. 
So I wanted to mention something that I, I, I'm sure I used to know this or I heard it at one point, but I it was sort of reminded about this recently. And I kind of feel like, like just knowing this explains so much of his shitty behavior. Mm. Right. And that's that, you know, and I, and I'm not saying that everybody that has this condition has shitty behavior, but this coupled with the fact that he has, you know, infinite wealth just compounds how awful right. <laughs> the, 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 these character traits are. Right. But uh, Elon, um, and you mentioned this, he's kind of used this as a shield before, but he, he apparently truly does have uh, Asperger's syndrome. Right. And I right. have yeah. a, I, I have a friend who also has this. So I'm kind of familiar with like some of the personality traits. Um, but this is just from a, from a, clinical website talking about Asperger's syndrome and it's specifically talking about children with Asperger's syndrome. But I feel like all of these would still apply to an adult with $44 billion named Elon Musk. So just, just a quick little list here of uh, some of the, the personality quirks or traits of uh, Asperger's syndrome. Uh, First one here, inappropriate or minimal social interactions. (laughs) I, I, I feel like already that's like bullseye yeah. <laughs> conversations that almost always revolve around themselves rather than others, not understanding emotions well, or having less facial expression than others. Yeah. Well, <laughs> uh, not using or understanding nonverbal communication, such as gestures, body language, and facial expression, uh, an intense obsession with one or two specific narrow subjects <laughs> Again, bullseye. Becoming upset at any small changes in routines. <laughs> Although I would I would argue he, he's been changing a lot of routines, but that's his routine. Uh clumsy, uncoordinated movements, <laughs> including difficulty with handwriting. <laughs> Just remember the video of him trying to dance? Oh Jesus Christ, yeah. Talk about clumsy and uncoordinated movement. Yeah, no, right up there with the Bill Gates fucking, you know, Windows ninety five launch. You know, that famous. Fucking... That was that was even better though, because like every guy on that stage oh, they, could they, fucking they, dance. Right, it was just a whole stage of dudes with Aspergers, like who had no fucking rhythm whatsoever. Like this know? is why you learn to code, because you're never going to get laid from your dance skills. <laughs> That's for sure. Uh, difficulty managing emotions, sometimes leading to verbal and or behavioral outbursts, self injury. Uh, self-injurious behavior or tantrums uh yeah remember when the people didn't want like his submarine idea because it was physically impossible to fit his his submarine yeah so he responded in kind by calling the the rescue worker a pedophile implying that he was a pedophile and then the last one here simply just not understanding other people's feelings or perspectives yeah um this is again just him to a T. So, um, you know, I, yeah, I mean, and he and he uses it as a shield to excuse his shitty fucking ego maniacal uh, self-centric behavior. But um, I'm sure it compounds all of those things. But it, it's just I, I mean, he's he's really the worst person alive. Like as much as I don't like Mark Zuckerberg, I do hope that fucking that this this celebrity boxing match happens and. The only re- and like most of the time that these even get threatened, they're obviously just for publicity and they never end up happening. This is the one situation where he's such a moron and an egomaniac that I could imagine him just agreeing to do it and getting just fucking absolutely murdered by Mark Zuckerberg, who actually is like trained, I guess, in MMA or 
you know, Brazilian I mean, jiu-jitsu Zuckerberg or whatever. has that, that fucking dead look in his eyes. Oh, you just think like, like he really does have, you know, he really is like a fucking android he's, sent he's, here from the future. He's strangled no less than three homeless people. Like, I, I'm convinced that he's strangled no less than three, like, migrant farmers from Hawaii whose land he stole. So yeah. it doesn't, it wouldn't surprise me at who's, all. Who's so. the, uh, the actor that played him in The Social Network? Uh, Jesse Eisenberg. Yeah, he did such a great fucking job. He, he really did. He, he and, did. He, and, he, and he didn't he doesn't even look like him, but just the embodying him the way he did, you don't even remember. The the self-entitlement, like, you know? he's right. he's so good at projecting that that you did, just the first scene of that movie where he's just talking and talking and talking <laughs> and the girl finally is just like rips him apart yeah, for what no, a fucking incredible fucking incredible. You know, self-centered prick he is and then he's just like i'm gonna get her i'm gonna go fucking tell all the you know i'm gonna only, get all the women <laughs> only fucking fincher can make a movie that's so talky and like nothing really happening seems so fucking dark and dramatic and almost like a fucking yeah. thriller or horror movie with that but it, but his movies the, the, the scenes feel like scenes because he's not fucking blanketing every fucking moment with this thunderous film score right. <laughs> nonstop the way that Nolan does. No, um, right. And that's right. He lets it breathe. And he, you know, he, we did Trent Reznor. Yeah. He's did a so lot good of service at, to that movie. Sure. Sure. Yeah. But I mean, the, the scenes feel like separate scenes from each other, you know? No, right. No, um, genuinely. The, the Andrew Garfield scene, you better lawyer up, asshole. I fucking love that scene so much because it I, just comes out of nowhere. He's so he just good. snaps out of nowhere. He's such a good actor. I, it's such a shame that he kind of got pigeonholed as like, oh, he's the worst Spider-Man early on because, dude, anytime he's in a non-Spider-Man movie, he's so good. Um, Did you I'm, see that? Um, what was that? The movie he was in with uh, Mel Gibson, the uh, Hamburger Hill, Hacksaw, Hacksaw Ridge. There we go. No, no. Was Did you see good, that one? Was good in that? It's very Christiany because it's about a real life guy who refused to carry a gun into battle that ended up saving a bunch of people. Oh wow! Um, but yeah, it was like right after Passion of the Christ came out, and it was I was just kind of like, uh, Andrew, what are you doing? But now he's he's good at it. Huh. Um, yeah, no, he's a good actor. So uh, did hopefully. you watch uh, Mindhunters? David Fincher's Mindhunters on I Netflix? watched season one of that show, which I yeah. really enjoyed. I never picked it up because there was a big uh, gap another another just masterful guy at. Having these extremely long, prolonged scenes of dialogue where there's no music, there's nothing to build the tension other than just the, what the words are being said. Right. Um, and people, I know people that watch that show and they're like, oh my God, it was so violent. I'm like, there's like one second of actual violence in the whole thing. Everything else is just people talking about it. And they're like, oh my God, you're right. I'm like, yeah, that's fucking venture. <laughs> yeah. That's what I mean. He just, he's, he's, he's the master of fucking setting a mood. Um, but yeah, we should, before we get out of here, I do want to talk about one of my kind of <laughs> my, my, my favorite hobby horse subjects, uh, aliens and UFOs, because, um, it, some, so some interesting things are, are going on in that world, I guess, you know, maybe, maybe not, probably not, but, uh, there was, uh, a somewhat historic moment in American, you know, history, whether, you know, whatever the actual true truth or outcome of it is, is that the uh, congressional hearings that took place, I guess, uh, last week, uh, this this former, uh, I, I guess, was he CIA? This former spook kind of came forward. And was no, like, I think he was uh, Navy intelligence. Is okay, what I so, so former intelligence officer yeah. um, came forward. The intelligence like, community. <laughs> yeah, just just the the broad quote unquote intelligence community, um, yeah. and came forward and was like, yeah, no, we 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 for sure have aliens, and like we have alien 
biologics or whatever the fucking weird phrasing he used. <laughs> Didn't want to say like, yeah, we got corpses. But he's like, yeah, no, we 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 for sure have him and are like hiding the the, the truth of it from the public. Um, which again, this guy may be a complete fucking kook. Um, I you know I'm not. I I always go back and forth on this. Truly, like you know, it's it's improbable, but. I feel like if it did happen, it's one of those things where like, if it did happen, they would definitely be keeping it from us, but I'm pro I'm pretty sure it didn't happen. It's, 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 a, I don't know. It, it, it's, I always go back and forth on this, but. Well, let's um, roll the clip and then we'll talk a little bit more about what he actually said and what it implies and right. some of the actual concerns the military has with some of this stuff. Right. If you believe we have crashed craft uh, stated earlier, do we have the bodies of the pilots who piloted this craft? As I've stated publicly already in my News Nation interview, uh, biologics came with some of these recoveries. Yeah. Um, were they, I guess, human or non-human biologics? Non-human, and that was the assessment of people uh, with direct knowledge on the program I talked to that are currently still on the program. I, I just see. So, I mean, that's obviously interesting. And, you know, if you believe I mean, this guy to be truthful, it's that's incredible. But I don't. I don't know. I don't the, know. The assessment? What does that even mean? Like, that doesn't mean anything. I mean, he the, does. The, he talks like an intelligence guy, though. Like, he, no, he of talk, course. You know, but, he talks like a fucking spook. But but if he said that this was confirmed, he would say that. But he doesn't. He just says, well, it was assessed. That, that doesn't. That's what does that even mean? And the word biologics, that could be anything. <laughs> that could be a glass of water. That could like it doesn't mean it. It's just a non-human could be. You know, like, was it a fish? Like, what would you, you know, that doesn't tell us anything. Is, was it, if it's non-human, was it alien in nature? You know, was it from another planet? Was it, you know, like he, he's not given anything tangible here. That's what tells me that he's full of shit, or at least the people he talked to were full of shit. Because if you, if you know something for real, you're going to have details. There's going to be very, you know, credibility is, is predicated on details, Right. And he was so vague with what he was saying there that I don't I, I think he wants to believe. <laughs> right. Um, but, yeah, there's no specifics there. Well, I mean, I guess the question is, do you think he truly believes it or if he is he just seeking attention? And and I guess what kind well, of attention is this? He makes really? sure to drop the, the News Nation uh, plug in there because <laughs> apparently he's been interviewed plenty of times on this crank. News right. Site. Which is a right wing crank kind of kind of. Uh, news organization or kind of cable news channel but yeah yeah i don't know i mean i'm not uh, like there, there's and maybe this is wishful thinking but there's five percent of me that believes them and, and obviously that's a small percentage but i i don't know it, it, it's just interesting and to i feel like that's a really elaborate way to get attention if you're just completely making shit up out of whole cloth i think there could be more than likely that maybe he does have friends that work in intelligence that told him this, that were full of shit, but that he maybe believed or half, but like, who knows who fucking knows. I, I, I think unfortunately we're probably not likely to ever get a resolution on that, but it is an interesting well, thing. Nonetheless, <clears throat> I think it here's, here's the deal. Like all these pilots up there that are seeing shit and talking about it, are probably a small percentage of all the pilots that have seen shit up there, right? Sure. And they're starting to put out these videos of things that they've seen that apparently defy the laws of physics. You know, something that's, you know, stationary, just hovering in the air. 
and then, right, and then rapidly know, accelerating to a speed that no, not even accelerating, just instantly jumping. Well, from, right, jumping, not, yeah, not moving to supersonic with no acceleration, right. just instantly, you know, and you know, it's it's clearly the, the military. It's and something. Air I mean, Force it's, you know. is actually concerned about this because a UFO means that it's something in the air is flying, and they can visually see it. But it's not show that like, there's no call sign. There's no radio contact. Right. 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 And that's a that's a flight risk. That's like if you don't have if, you know, you're flying up in the air and you have all the other, you know, aircraft around you have transponders. So you're aware of their trajectory and their altitude and everything. So you don't crash into each other. If something's up there without a transponder with no radio communication, that's a huge flight risk for anyone else around it because they could fucking crash into it and die. Right. Right. The other problem for the military is every time this happens. You know, most of the time they're flying flights up there. It's training missions, right? It's very rare they're flying an actual military, you know, battle fucking thing. It's mostly just flight after flight after flight of training, right? And every time one of these things whizzes by a training flight, they have to abort the flight, right? They're, they're like, we encountered an unidentified object, return to base and report on it immediately, right? So it like cost the military a bunch of money and wasted training exercises whenever this <laughs> happens. So it's it's like from a very practical logistical sense, this is their biggest concern is those two things is having to scrap missions every time one of these things whizzes by uh, and just the, the the danger of having an unidentified object flying around without any kind of radio signal or transponder signal, whether it could be on radar or not. You know, I guess it depends on what it's made out of, but you know, they're describing things that sound like weather balloons, but weather balloons don't move at supersonic <laughs> no, speeds. No, no, right? right, for sure. So, I mean, I, there is something going on. I mean, whether or not it's, like, just complete top secret, Amer- like, you know, uh, U.S., like, experimental craft, or if it's from another country, or if it truly is a UFO, like, from yeah. another fucking planet. Well, if it's an experimental U.S. craft, they're not going to fly it right up alongside of a, you know, established u.s craft <laughs> knowing no, full well that, right, that could cause not. a danger very very likely not um right. but it, it's just it's fascinating to me uh and I, you know i i just i would i i like the idea that the that 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 this is at least something that's being discussed because i feel like the sort of cultural curiosity about ufos is, has really gone away since the kind of invent of, of the internet um and uh, it's nice to at least see it come back to some degree. Um, yeah, I, I agree. I agree with you there. It's interesting to talk about at the very least. Um, I think and, so. And speculate and, too. And, you know, the the one thing that kind of drives me nuts is I see a lot of sort of like leftists on Twitter being like, oh, this is just so they could get more money. When the fuck have they ever asked for money and not gotten it? In the defense right. budget. <laughs> like when do they need an excuse? Like it, it's just, that that to me is a preposterous reason to, act as if like this is you know uh, you know you right. kind of see that somehow the some of the Jimmy they, they have, circles yeah they have a lot more to lose with the mass panic that would break the, out yeah if that if it actually was happening and they were fucking right know, right they would there, there would be no mon- amount of money the military could get that could contain you know hundreds of millions of people going fucking bad it, it, <laughs> as bad as it is now just imagine just imagine all the fucking people shooting guns into the air <laughs> <laughs> At every that's, single thing they see, every single fucking flying object they see, you know. That's, like, that's the funniest part of uh, Independence Day when, the, when they cut to the newscaster. He's like, the LAPD has informed citizens to please uh, ensure that you're not firing your weapons at the at the craft as you may inadvertently trigger a new, an interstellar war or whatever. 
Because, yeah, like, that's absolutely sure. what we'd fucking do if there were actual, like, alien craft just sort of chilling and hovering over fucking major cities. We would just start well, shooting everything we have at it, basically. <laughs> and that's the other thing is, it's you know, if, if these are, you know, aliens from another planetary system that somehow figured out how to travel across light years of space and get here... I don't think they're going to fucking crash <laughs> into the side of a mountain. I think they're pretty good at navigating uh, enough that they're not going to crash and they're not going to leave anything recoverable. No, I mean, there's a there's you know, there, there's a range of possibilities. And I think one of them is that they've never crash landed here. Roswell was actually a weather balloon, but they have like yeah. visited with their their insanely advanced craft. And we've just, you know, not been able to sort of capture any sort of tangible evidence outside these these really good videos that we've gotten from like the military craft of, of you know the, yeah. the the thing that like rotates midair and then just like you said goes like hypersonic and fucking no did time I ever tell at you all, about my but... uh did I, did I talk about my ufo story before no no have you did you actually see one once yeah so uh, <clears throat> this is, i was about uh nine or ten years old and i was out camping with the boy scouts and um it was before dawn but only just before dawn like like the entire ground was still in shadow but the sky was illuminated right so you could right. see it was a totally clear sky and i got out of my tent and i was gonna go rock a piss and i saw something out of the corner of my eye and when i when i just turned my head and looked up and it was it was this elongated triangle hovering in the sky and as soon as i like turned and looked directly at it gone wow and it was like one of these things where it went from zero to a thousand in a split second. Huh. And I didn't tell anybody about it for a long time because <laughs> I was like, eh, everyone's going to think I'm crazy. And I don't want anyone to think I'm crazy because I want right. to, you know, I'm like nine years old. and I want to make friends. But it was, it, was, it was like a very sharp outline. It was like a dark brown, almost black, no lights, nothing like that. Just... Like it was, if you folded up like a paper airplane, it was like about that elongated is from, you know, the dimensions of it. Hey, so yeah, we're back. Um, <laughs> totally not, uh, just completely coincidentally, I'm sure, uh, you're on my end, your audio cut out completely and it was like a robot fucking voice and I couldn't hear you at all. And then it gave me like one of those zencaster like lost connection fucking things because i was talking about a fucking ufo i saw that's I know. why i know it was also at the one hour mark exactly so i am wondering if there's some weird either an error or if they just like throttle you when you get past an hour even though i fucking pay for the service so, who knows it, this has happened to us multiple times yeah. on this on this platform um but uh yeah just just really uh fucking bizarre uh but yeah, so what was the second half of that story? Because I'm very curious to hear it. I mean, it just, I saw it and it fucking disappeared. It just right. fucking pew, gone. No, right? and right. And that's, yeah, obviously, you know, and I had a, I, I had an t- experience once also where I think I may have saw one, but it again was something that was so out of sight that I couldn't, like I was driving home one night. It was super late. I think it was like probably like 2 a.m. or whatever. I was coming back from Connecticut. And um, I saw like this fucking orange, like super bright orange light in the kind of, you know, like up a kind of there's like a lot of mountains where I, where I used to live in New York. It's sort of in the it's in the Hudson Valley, but there's like a bunch of like bare mountains up there and there's a bunch of uh, mountainous areas up there. So it seemed like it was sort of up in that region and it was definitely moving and I kind of lost sight of it because of the 
road I was on and I could never get it back, but it definitely looked fucking weird. And I was like, I, I tried to sort of like find it. Like I went past my street and chicken couldn't find it anymore. But so I, who knows what it was. It could have been like a fucking experimental craft. Cause I know, uh, camp david or what there's some fucking military base over there so who knows it could just be some fucking you know test craft or some shit but could have been a helicopter with the president on it yeah no it could have been but it was a very just bright fucking orange light and i know there was a lot of in the 80s in the hudson valley a lot of ufo sightings which i found out about after the fact i I read this book about it called night siege um And I guess that was a big thing in the in the 80s and and it probably likely has to do with that air force base um and the fact that indian point which is a big nuclear reactor is right there so who fucking knows what actually goes on at that base like what kind of you know experimental shit they're testing out but uh yeah no it's just fascinating you know i find that shit fascinating i'm not like a yeah a nut about it where i believe every fucking obviously fake video that people <laughs> pass around but i i want to believe let's let's say that much <laughs> uh well, I had one last story I wanted to get to, and this was just some random Yahoo News story uh, that I, I pulled because it's it's sad, but it's funny. Such is life. So <laughs> the, Karen has become such a common use term now that like they'll just fucking run it in headlines, apparently. <laughs> Headline here, confused Karen protests target pride merch by wearing blackface. <laughs> oh my God, I saw this video. <laughs> A video of an angry shopper, Karen, has gone viral, showing the woman proudly parading through a Denver Target, of course it's Denver, wearing blackface, aggressively and cynically asking employees for pride merchandise. <laughs> like what, what? What is the correlation between wearing blackface and gay pride? I don't... Okay. TMZ identified the rogue shopper as a woman named Ursula Campbell. Campbell can be seen in a clip very visibly wearing dark brown makeup caked all over her face and leaning over a red counter. You're a horrible person, someone off camera tells Campbell when she gets to the counter. You're a horrible person, Campbell echoes back. (laughs) You're literally doing blackface, the person holding the camera tells her. Then she says, where's your pride section? Campbell asks the sales rep behind the counter referring to the controversy surrounding pro- uh, products Target sold during Pride Month. Like, does she know that that's just not a... Okay. Quote, I need to know. Oh, I thought they were celebrating this and they took our flag forever. No, I was wrong. My bad. I don't shop at Target. What is she talking about? Did, did she think the American flag was banned or something? Like what? According to TMZ... After Campbell left Target, she went to a Starbucks wearing a shirt covered in pro-Trump stickers, of course, and complained about how she lost her job with the U.S. Post Office. (laughs) The outlet reported that Campbell was fired in February, and a trespassing notice was posted at the post office indicating she was banned. Employees were warned to call postal inspection if they saw her there. (laughs) This fucking crazy bitch is just getting kicked out of every place. (laughs) Yeah. Jesus Christ. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know what the like. I, these people are just so pathetic. Like, get a fucking life. I, I don't understand what motivates. It's not j- just like, uh, you know, they have nothing else to do. They have, no, they, that's this, right. This is the fucking suburbs of Denver where the fucking they make the nuclear bombs and they have school shootings every other Tuesday. Right. Like this is that there is no community center. There is no, you know, 
sense of of, of place even to these ex- suburbs. This right. is, they all they all come from these suburbs and ex- exurb ring highway places where nobody knows each other and their only social interaction is the Walmart at fucking you know the, the or the the parking lot outside Walmart, right? right. It's or Target like, in this case, <laughs> yeah. It, it, so they they're just slowly going crazy, losing any kind of sense of social cohesion, and this is the end result. Yeah, I think there's probably something to the 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 uh, the slight lack of the slight dip in oxygen too. What that does to your brain long term, <laughs> like there's a, there's got to be a reason that there's so many I school mean, shootings in Colorado. You know, Denver's like not that high up. You know, well compared to fucking you know Chicago or Connecticut, like it's it's not. Eh, it's a mile. Have you ever been out to Denver before? No, no, I, I, no. I always wanted to go. You ever taken, you know, you, so, so right after Denver, the mountains just fucking shoot up out of nowhere, right? Yeah. Like it's literally just like half the country, you know, half the state of Colorado is totally flat and the other half is the Rocky Mountains and some of the tallest ones too. So it's, you know, as soon as you go west out of Denver, you start going up really fast in elevation. Yeah. And, you know, kind of the, the highest point you're going to reach I don't know if it's the highest point of any highway, but it's one of them is the Eisenhower Tunnel. And that's about 11,000 feet. And when I was uh, when I just graduated high school, me and like four other friends bought a piece of shit van that had like 300,000 miles on it. And we're like, road trip. So we took it across the country. And this van was from the 80s. And, you know, like I said, 300,000 miles on it. The tires were already threadbare. That's how fucking. <laughs> more. Yeah. Yeah. And we blew a couple tires along the way, too, because the how hot the, the road was. We get up to the 11,000 feet of the Eisenhower Tunnel and the van just stalls out because of the elevation, right? <laughs> it's, what's called, it's what's called vapor lock where the gas in the gas tank starts, turn, it starts getting too thin uh, to combust wow. by the time it gets to the engine. Um, it's not a problem with modern cars, but with older models it was. Uh, and, and the Colorado Highway has all these workers up there just to help people for free whose cars are vapor locking on the highway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're just like wow. free, free, like there to help you out with your car when it when it fucking seizes up from the altitude. Nice of them, at least. <laughs> yeah, it was really nice because he um, two two of us in our group hopped in a truck with him and like drove back down to fucking Denver to like get the part we needed to fix the thing. Cause we also had a problem with our alternator apparently, or no, it was the starter. So yeah, for the rest of the trip, every time we wanted to start the fucking van, we had to like open the hood and like touch these two little wires together to make them spark. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is, Jesus this is Christ. yeah, we were fucking teenagers. It was great. Uh, yeah. So I know all about the elevation there and everything, but uh, we also had a bunch of fucking soda cans that we brought from michigan right so while we're sitting there waiting for our fucking uh, van to get fixed we're like yeah hey, i'm gonna pop open a soda boom <laughs> because if you fucking have a can that's, uh, that's pressurized you know at at 300 feet and then you open it at eleven thousand feet really? it's going to fucking explode yeah huh. <laughs> it's i mean the change in pressure doesn't seem like a lot but it's a lot for something that small yeah i would imagine the effect yeah. that's, that's yeah <laughs> that's or awesome. or like our lighters if you have a lighter that is filled up at, at low altitude and you light it at a high altitude the flame's going to come out like a foot really yeah <laughs> yeah that's cool science <laughs> yeah right yeah Oh shit. All right. Well, on that note, I think that does it for us this week, but, um, <clears throat> rate and view and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, follow us on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash move left. Uh, follow us on Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash move left. I am on Twitter at move underscore left. 
And I'm on Twitter at Bike Slutty. And today to play us out is the late, great Sinead O'Connor. Yep. We'll see you next week. Do